Welcome to the Institute's Leading Edge, where our experienced consultants and trainers bring you top insights for your automotive service business. In this episode, we cover millennials. You guys had so many questions in the first one, we had to make a second. Here's just some of what's coming up next. If you can motivate a millennial, you will have the hardest working person you've ever met. We're not broken, we're not wrong, and, and you should look at it like that, we're just different. But I think there's definitely a little more, you could say there's a little more pressure on job owners to, to build up. I think first and foremost, when you bring them in and you, you go through the hiring process and you're talking with people, and you make sure that, that both of you, the company and them, you align with their goals. For a better business, a better life, a better industry, the Institute's Leading Edge. All right, welcome to episode six. We're still working some of the bugs out. Sorry, it took us a couple of minutes to actually get live on Facebook. Uh, today, we have with us uh, Bill Greeno, Quality Aug- uh, Smog and Auto in uh, Truckee, California. Bill's, Bill, uh, he's our management guru. He certainly knows how to manage and lead people. Uh, Bill, thank you for coming. Thanks uh, for having me. On the bottom of my screen, we have Ryan Klo. Ryan owns two shops in the Cincinnati area and does exceptionally well. One is a German car shop. One is a Japanese shop. And uh, uh, Ryan also um, is one of our consultants. Ryan is the systems and processes guy. He likes all the T's crossed and the, the I's dotted. So um, he's really good at that stuff. Ryan, thank you for coming. Um we have uh, B.J. Lee. B.J. is with the Institute. He's a partner in the business and uh, does. Uh, he is our Vice President of Client Services. Uh, make sure the clients are being taken care of. So, B.J., welcome. And uh, last but not least, we have uh, the millennial in the group, uh, Kent, uh, my son, who runs the Institute here in Ogden and uh, who gets picked on by the four of us and more uh, because he's the millennial in the group. Um, so, uh, today we're going to carry on our conversation from last, uh, uh, last episode uh, on millennials. And I think, uh, the first question, uh, that, uh, that Kent came up with, I think is a great question to start with what bothers you most about millennials? Um, I'm going to start that question somewhere else. Cause, uh, I could go <laughs> on for an hour. Um, uh, no, that's not true. I love, I love my millennials in my life. They're They're great. Um, uh, let's start with Ryan. Ryan, what bothers you most about millennials? Muted. Muted. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. There you go. go. <laughs> I'll tell you what bothers me. They're so much better at technology. I didn't realize I had my, my thing muted, but Kent knew right away. Thank you, Kent. Uh, so, I don't know. I, that's, a, that's a great question. I mean, I, I hate to throw a whole any group of people under the bus like that. So, But, you know, kind of what bothers me. I would like to say it's less what bothers me. I think it's just more of a challenge. I think there's a lot of stereotypes out there. You know, I know we're going to cover some of them. Um, I don't know. I, you know, I think it's just a huge difference to grow up in the digital age. Um, you know, I'm 40 years old, Cecil. I mean, I don't even know where how old you are, but you know, you and I and <laughs> Bill and and all of us. I mean, it's just really hard to know what it was like to grow up with social media and all these other influences and the pace of life. So, how it how does it play out for me? I mean, I'll be honest, as a person who does HR in my business, the tenure for the younger generation is significantly less. I mean, if you've got someone in your business who's generation X or older, there's a solid chance they're going to be there 10 years or longer. Uh, and I have seen in my business and continue to see uh, a higher turnover rate. And we all know, you know how difficult turnover can be. Um, however, being 40 years old, I don't know. You know, If I had run a shop like I do now 20 or 30 years ago, Cecil, maybe you can comment on this. Maybe it's less about the generation and just, you know, people in their 20s are still figuring it out, and they're not going to spend 10 years. So I don't know. I try to reserve my judgment about what, what bothers me. Um, I'm certainly aware of the stereotypes. Uh, I, I try to just take that into consideration. And essentially, I take it as a challenge to create a better business that, you know, the younger generation is interested in and that my business, you know, aligns with their values. And I think I'm sure we're going to get into that more, so I'll, I'll let some other people jump in. I'm gonna um, I'm gonna date myself um, a little bit. Um, you know, I had a conversation probably two years ago with uh, I don't know if it was a group I can't remember, but it was a conversation about millennials and uh, do we need to be advertising differently uh, for millennials? Uh, you know, to bring them into our business, etc. 
I think I, I think I would change my tune today a little bit on that conversation. But the key points were, no, I don't think you need to. First of all, the millennials, by and large, at that point in time, didn't have a lot of money to spend on their cars. And if you're running a, a hiring relationship shop, uh, you're probably not going to attract a lot of millennials. Um, number two, I always thought about the hippies. Um, you know, when I was growing up, there were these uh, 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 free love, uh, you know, smoke dope, etc. Um, you know, enjoy your life. Don't don't go to the man. Don't be a part of the uh, uh, you know the organization. And uh, it's funny, there aren't any hippies left. Um, you know, there's a, there's a few here and there, but most of them became business owners. Um, you know, they, they, they realized they needed a job, they had to support their families, et cetera. So, you know, I think, I think millennials, even as a group, do we need to be concerned about them? Yeah, I think I changed my tune on, on that. I think we need to really be thinking about them, more so because they're working in our businesses than necessarily that they're the large part of our clients, but they're going to be our clients. Um, and, uh, and I do think that we have to uh, at least have our, our mindset differently around working and dealing uh, with millennials. Um, uh, Bill, what, 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 if anything bothers you, what, what would it be about the millennials in your life? I, I have to, uh, I have to come on with the, uh, the, the same intro as Ryan did. The thing that drives me the craziest is they have yet to have enough on their mind to start forgetting things. <laughs> so, so the the three millennials that I have working for me are constantly reminding me of what I said. So, it it, it requires a very written track of everything in the shop. Everything must be written down. If you want me to, if if, if it doesn't it doesn't exist if it's not written down. Um, but uh, as far as as far as the group as a whole goes, um, it's a it's a challenge whenever you have a. A uh, group of people who has uh, little work experience, as we, we see with the, them coming into the workforce, and, and so no expectation of what work should be like uh, realistically. And what I mean by that is, is there's no instant gratification at work. You come to work and you don't even get paid for two weeks. You, you come to work the first day, you may not even have a uniform takes a week or two before the uniform comes in and these kinds of things just drive them crazy because up until now everything they've had has been instant you know what i think is uh is a bit different um i think what's different i muted you ryan so we'll unmute you when the time comes um you know what i think is really different when when i came into the workforce i i, I didn't have the knowledge or the experience i neither um and so I came in the workforce. I was I was pretty I was a blank slate. So whatever my boss told me, that was what was that was it. Um, <clears throat> I think with the digital uh, age, the digital generation, they have so much more knowledge when they come into the workforce. Um, they just don't know how to apply it because they don't have the experience to go with it. So I think there is more of an expectation from them. Uh, because of the knowledge they have, I, you know, I, and I could be wrong about that, but but I don't think so. I think they come in with more knowledge than I certainly did when I came into the workforce, uh, but no experience. BJ, what do you think about that? I'll tell you what, I uh, <clears throat> I haven't done a good job at keeping up with, with millennials as far as learning more about them and stuff. I've, I've been kind of working on that as we're going along and stuff. Um, but uh, it is true. I mean, they're 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 very smart. I was reading an article. Uh, about uh, car ownership with millennials and stuff. They're a large majority of the car owners nowadays. Um, and they're driving, a study showed that they're driving 72% more uh, than the baby boomers are. They're, you know, putting more miles on their cars or personalizing their cars and so forth. But going back to what Ryan said earlier about, about grouping these all together, I think, you know, we talk about millennials, but I think we have different subgroups of millennials, right? Just like we have different personality traits and so forth. So I think uh, we have a whole basket full of uh, millennials and, you know, all the different personalities that go along with that. I don't think we can categorize it as, as just, just millennials per se. Um, uh, it, it's pretty strange uh, for us old guys, you know, uh, to, to deal with that or understand that. Uh, so I think we need to take the time to educate ourselves a little more on it. I think it will help us uh, uh, in the long run, obviously. So um, definitely, I'm I'm learning a lot on it for sure, and 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 it's it, it is kind of fun, you know, and, and it's really fun to give Kent a hard time. So yeah, that's that's the best part of it. So 
<laughs> um, speaking of that, Kent, do you do you would you agree with the statement I made that they come in more knowledgeable? Um, well, you might not know. You're a love millennial, so um, but without the experience, or or do you th- or and and would you agree with uh, BJ's statement? Uh, you know, regarding the the fact that there's different subgroups in the millennial. Uh, actually, it's funny that uh, BJ mentioned that because there was uh, a study that talked about the fact that. Uh, because we're the first global generation, uh, due to the internet, we have access to pretty much, or global cultural generation. Um, there are these subgroups that have kind of, are almost like many generations within the millennial generation, just because we are so huge. Um, and, and I think that's going to, that is what has kind of created a lot of confusion going into what are millennials, all the data that goes behind them. <clears throat> Um, I think, and as, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, as far as the the knowledge bit, I I would say that I don't know if we're we're more knowledgeable. I think we have the tools and the skills behind the tools to find information and find knowledge quicker uh, than than older generations. Older generations would have had to gone to like the library to research stuff. They would have to go and 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 just the the lapse in time. We can just go on our phones and find out anything. Uh, and we have been taught to find that information. So, I okay. I, disagree, I disagree, Cecil. Okay. With the with with the statement, and and only because I'm going to say they they come in with with far more technical knowledge. Um, they are extraordinarily tech savvy. However, I think when we were entering the workforce. Before I went to work for anyone else, I, I knew how to use a hammer and drive a nail. I knew how to use a screwdriver and, and put a screw into a place that, that it needed it. Yeah. Uh, I, I had changed the oil on a, on a vehicle. Um, so I think it's just it's a different skill set that they come in with. And probably the, the, the difference is um, maybe that, that we perceive or feel is that we don't have the skill set that they have. Of course, I came in knowing how to use a hammer. The previous generation taught me how to do that. I knew how to use a screwdriver because somebody that knew how to use a screwdriver had taught me that. These guys are coming in as, as you know, we, we as business owners, we are, we are moving 100 miles an hour constantly looking at the newest technology that's available out there for the, for the, for the cars, for our management systems, for our marketing and our feedback and our social media Vehicle inspections, uh, etc. Yeah, and we and we do. We struggle with these things. You bring a millennial in, and you say, "Hey, Kent, check out this new program we've got. Learn it, and tell me about it this afternoon, right? Because you know he can figure it out in the morning, <laughs> <laughs> and he's wondering why you didn't just open it up and start using it. So, just a, maybe another angle on the. On kind this. Of, yeah, and I, I I wasn't saying that we had more knowledge. I just the access to it and not necessarily applicable knowledge, just the database. Right. To me, it's interesting, you know, not having computers, uh, when I was a kid, I mean, you know, really, and not having, uh, uh, video games and, and, uh, things of that nature. We didn't grow up with that. We grew up, you know, out in the yard building a fort, uh, you know, with the hammer and the nails and the wood we scrounged or whatever. I, I, I don't, none of my kids did that. All of my kids were playing video games and uh, in front of the computer and, and doing, you know, d- different skill sets that they brought uh, and that they're bringing to um, to our businesses, which, by the way, I think we really, really need their skill sets because, you know, the, the, the technology, the way the technolo- technology is advancing, uh, it's, it's just at such a crazy pace. I, I don't know how the older guys are able to keep up with that. I certainly find myself uh, struggling. And in fact, now... I have uh, two or three people here that I just go, okay, uh, you take care of that and just tell me what I have to do, right? And so I'm not like like Facebook. I mean, I have a hard time every time we go on. You know, I think we're on, I start, and then we're not really on, and I have to do it again. Um, and I'll bet if Kent were the one pushing the button, we would have been on right on time, and it would have been perfect. Um, so let's uh, let, let's um, so so this is a different generation. Uh, they have different skill sets. They have different knowledge. How do we take advantage of that? How do, how do we motivate them and, and get them excited about what they're doing for us so that they do stay, so that they do see uh, uh, the future, the mountain that's ahead of them? Um, 
So let's 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 uh, let's start with Ryan on that. Ryan, what, what do you think about that? Oh, I think, um, and I, I think we're we're speaking about uh, staff as opposed to customers. Is that correct? Yeah, right. I think right now that's what we're talking about today. We're okay. we're going to talk about our, the people working with us. Yeah, I realized as soon as I started, I was, I was talking about staff, and I know customers is kind of a different one. But, yeah, on the staff side, it's it's a challenge. I don't know if there's a mentality where people think, you know, we're done, we've gotten to this place where things are honky-dory. And um, I think it would be boring if it was. And so I do think that there is a challenge to kind of, uh, you know, keep the ship moving, constantly building, you know, the company. Um, I think as an owner um, – it keeps me more engaged. And I, I think, again, just, uh, you know, we're in this pace of life. The pace of life is a lot faster. There's a book written in the 70s called Future Shock, and the guy, the author, discusses the concept of culture shock within your own culture because things are changing so much. And I think that's he's referring more to the older generation. And that book was written in the 70s. And the pace of life is really, really fast now, and we're, we can't change that. Um, and we see the technology on the cars, like, blindingly, fast compared to, you know, 20, 30 years ago. Um, and we're seeing it in the front of the house. We have technologies, digital inspections, texting customers. The positive is it keeps it interesting. It keeps it engaging. It kind of levels the playing field where 20 to 30 years ago, you know, a shop that was big and had the reputation could buy a big ad in the phone book and, and, and be well known. Now, you know, you can do a good job and you can get good reviews. Uh, you know, but I think there's definitely a little more, you could say there's a little more pressure on shop owners to, to build up, uh, you know, company events, training, uh, regular reviews, uh, making sure you have a vision for your company. Is there a bigger picture, you know, that you can paint? Because, uh, you know, I do think with that pace of life, if, if anyone, you know, looks at it and it just, it seems kind of stagnant, then they're going to kind of look uh, to move on or, or possibly look for a place where they can have more advancement. Okay. Um, Kent, what do you think about uh, uh, that, that question? About the pace of, of what, what was the question? I can't remember now. Ryan uh, uh, completely distracted me, so I'm old, remember? Um, how do we uh, get them to stay? About getting, how do we get them involved, yeah. get them invested, right? How do, we, how do we get them to stay? Yeah, I think, I think a lot of mistakes that uh, managers make right now is they're, they're almost, they're assuming. So it's kind of like uh, for, for a reward, um, uh, dinner with the boss. They're going to look at that you, uh, like you would see it as a reward. Say we're going to, I'm going to take you out to dinner. Whereas uh, Millennial would say uh, that looks more like a work engagement and and a work priority. Now it's not a reward. So I would say ask them what they want first. Get, open up the dialogue and the conversation and and really see what they're looking for, uh, rather than just assuming. Uh, you know what kind of work are, are would you like to do? What kind of but- things would you like to see? And I'm not saying compromise and say do everything they want, but it'll give you a better picture of how you can adjust some of your management styles to make sure you're getting those drives and values hit. We're, we're always adjusting for um, our clients and uh, for our employees. Um, yes. At least, I, at least we should be. Um, and I don't think that's any different. I think if I have some older guys here, uh, older people, I'm going to be making adjustments for them also. Uh, a, a good manager is uh, trying to understand the people that they have working with them and uh, trying to make modifications to make it uh, um, as, as good as it can be for those, those people working with them. Um, and uh, what might motivate BJ certainly is not necessarily going to motivate Kent um, and vice versa. Uh, um, I think you're, you're absolutely right. You know, have the conversation, what are the rewards? But I think that, you know, what I've heard from all the different stuff that I've, I've heard, you know, and seen and read, the millennials still want to have a sense of accomplishment, even more so necessarily than maybe my generation. Um, and, you know, we, I think the millennials uh, have joy in work too. Uh, I don't think we're that different in a lot of ways. I just... You know, so I don't know what what am I saying? How how different are they? I, th- I think I think what, uh, the point there was a real purpose. They want to feel like they have a real purpose, right? Mm-hmm. Why are we doing this, right? It's not less about getting that paycheck. They want to they want to feel like they're being part of something, and they want to know why they're being a part of something, right? Uh, I guess is what I'm trying to say, Kent. Right? Yeah, it's it's we need to know why, then how, 
um, a lot of the, the things that you want to implement in your shop that you're trying to say this will make us successful, I want you to do this. You start off with, I want you guys to start doing this. Uh, when millennials are wondering, why, why is this beneficial? Why um, would we be doing this? And you want to line that why with not only the company growth, but the personal growth of that millennial. Um, and I think they've just being raised with, with more of a helicopter style parenting and having that immediate, you know, instant feedback and gratification. They're looking to say, well, I know my personal growth and what I have in my head for my lifetime and my career and what I'd like to accomplish. And you need to somehow transpose that and say the, the, the growth and trajectory of the company lines up with your own personal growth and trajectory. And that's one way you can get them invested. I'm not saying you completely compromise, but I'm saying the way that you should translate it to them should try to align it with their own personal goals. Now, I would, I would teach everyone, uh, uh, managers, owners, to set goals for their company and then try to align those goals with the goals of the staff. Um, I would teach them to uh, create a reward system and that the rewards need to be rewards meaningful. that the people, yeah, meaningful for, to the people that are going to get them. And what would be a reward for me may not be a reward for, for you, Kent, or, or even for BJ, for somebody else. Um, so I don't, I don't know that that's drastically different. Um, you know, Simon Sinek said that uh, the millennials want to climb the mountain, but they can't see the mountain. They want to get to the top, but they can't see the, 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 the journey necessarily. Um, uh, Bill, do you think that means that we need to create a clearer picture for them of the journey and their, and their part in it? Or I... Yeah, you know, I have to, I have to go backwards because I was bristling a little bit there, um, and then I'll and then I'll come back to your question. When 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 Kent was saying, ask him what they want, um, and he was and he referred specifically to going out to dinner with the boss. You know, my my hackles instantly went up. Like, what are you talking about? Uh, and then and then my more reasonable side kicked in, and I thought, well, as Ryan was saying, this is a fast way to get what you want. If you want employee satisfaction, sure. Um, we're a fast-moving, fast-paced society. Uh, perhaps we need to, if we want to move faster towards employee satisfaction um, and towards success with our staff, asking is a is a, a good place to start. But I still bristle at the the thought of a, a dinner with the boss not being a uh, a reward, more a work engagement. Though I understand. Um, so, to answer your your question about the clearer picture. Uh, I would say I would say yes, and and the reason I say yes is because I think one of the biggest problems that that I see with fellow shop owners that that uh, that I get to work with is they're they're um, they're afraid they're afraid to correct people they're afraid especially to be immediate with the correction and and and. Even before that, maybe they're afraid to set those expectations, goals, um, and, and requirements that are out there. And I would say that it's very, very important that a new staff member, number one, this is my philosophy. Number one, they know that for the first year, for the first 365 days, they are going to tread water. They are not going to know their job. They're going to have to be reminded, corrected, explained, trained, and retrained, the second year, they're actually going to start learning the job. And it's not until the third year, after they've worked there for over 100 weeks, that they're going to begin job mastery. And I I've, I've, can't tell you, uh, well, I can tell you, I've, I've told that to every person that's ever come to work for me. Uh, and and uh, of the younger folks, they just look at you with this blank stare and you have to repeat it because they don't believe it's true. They're like, no, I can figure this out. I learned English in a semester. I learned math one in a semester. Like I can, I've got it. Uh, well, you know, I, the, um, uh, Malcolm Gladwell uh, in one of his books talks about what it takes to master something, mastery of uh, a task. And he says it's 5,000 hours of practice um, I don't even know that work qualifies as practice some of the time because we're not we're not practicing the right technique. Uh, we're just working. 
Uh, and maybe what we do gets the end result, but it's not the best technique. You learn technique as you do it better and better. Right. So uh, if 5,000 hours is, uh, uh, excuse me, it's 10,000 hours, not five, it's five years uh, of, uh, of 2,000 hours a year working and doing the right thing to really become a master at it. And, and I will say, I will generalize, generalize here. I think there is a lack of patience uh, in the younger generations because everything has come so fast as far as technology and knowledge and all of that, 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 that they, 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 they struggle with the idea that for the first year, I'm not even going to know my job. Um, and I'll make one more comment that I think is an important comment uh, about what you said, Bill, and that is the shops, that the businesses that don't have a plan, uh, a, a training program, uh, a methodology to take an employee from uh, you're new, you don't really understand the job, you don't really know the job, you don't really know our stuff, to here you are, you're a master of this, uh, they're, they're in trouble. And they're in more trouble than they know because the millennials can't, they, they don't deal with that the way that our generation dealt with that, right? Um, we were taught, I think I was taught that, look, you, you may do this for 10 years and before you even uh, get any good at it. Uh, in fact, I remember my dad telling me the first day I went out on the rack, don't be surprised if you don't uh, make any money this week because uh, you don't know what you're doing. Um, I can't imagine telling a millennial coming in my business, hey, don't be surprised if you don't make any money this week because you have no idea what you're doing. Um, I don't think that would work at all. Uh, uh, um, uh, uh, Kent, what do you think about that? Uh, that's kind of a loaded question. Um, I just know that if, you, if millennials value it, they'll work 100 hours a week even if they're not getting paid because it's not even about... But they're not but it's not about the money for them in most cases. Um, yeah, but if you, if you came and told me you're going to work hard this week and you're not going to get paid, don't expect it because you're just started, that is not a way to do that. I, I would approach that and say, um, again, hit those values. Uh, this is where you're going to be really honing in your skill and so that down the line, you're going to be incredibly effective and you'll make a lot of money. Like this, so the money isn't the deal there. But telling me I'm going to work hard and there isn't really anything to get out of it, um, like that's how that question was phrased to me. You're going to work really hard and you're not going to get anything out of it. So, so let me um, let me uh, yeah let me, yeah. Make a, let me make a let me make a statement kind of for the for the whole group. <laughs> right? How in the heck do we get these millennials um, to 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 work hard knowing that uh, they're not going to get a lot out of it in the beginning? It's 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 a long process to get to the end. And, and really, I mean, I spent 25 years uh, before I, I even thought I was capable of being a consultant. And then it's been another 14, uh, 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 you know, honing the craft. Um, so how, how do we get them invested and involved in that journey that, that, that could be a lifetime journey and not a, in a year you're going to know everything about the business and you're going to be the guy in charge? Um, uh, Ryan, you, you've been really silent. Um, uh, uh, give me some, give me some tips here. Help me out. All right. Sorry if there's noise in, in the background, okay. but um, I'm at the shop. So, you know, this one strikes me as I think honestly a great place to start is to really try to understand where they're coming from. And I think that's a challenge for, for Bill and I, and for you and for older generations. When I think about, you know, as, as my perspective as younger generations, I think about, they got to see people like, say, Mark Zuckerberg, you know, at a very young age, come and become a billionaire by 30. When we talk about the pace of life, you know, we're seeing all of these tech companies. We're seeing all this stuff, you know, it, like the American dream, if you want to call it that. It's a big discussion. You know, it, it used to take decades, I think. But now they're seeing people achieve their American dream, you know, in years or even less than that. And so there's this, this drive. And I think when you look at all of some of those like tech companies, it's no secret. They work their butts off. They work really, really, really hard. So I think there's a lot of truth in the fact that they're, they are willing to work really, really hard. I think the stereotype of millennials being lazy is not necessarily true. Um, but it, it's just, the onus is really on us to paint that picture. I think, I think I wasn't around, but 20 or 30 years ago, I think, I don't know, maybe after the world war, I mean, you know, if you just had a paycheck and you had a family and a house, like, you know, you were kind of hitting it. And I think nowadays that's kind of, well, maybe more of a given, but I think there's really this urge to, to have more purpose. And I think 
again, to answer the question, is, is trying to really, really empathize and understand with this generation of people that really need more. You really have to sell them on the vision of your company and what you're doing. And the money is part of it. It kind of represents it. But if you don't back that up with a really, really strong vision direction, I, I interviewed somebody yesterday and you know, I said, hey, tell me about where you want to be in five years. And I want to be real straight with you on what, how I think this can fit in for you. And, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, you know, is he going to stay for five years? Is he going to stay for 10 years? I don't know. But I want to at least try to help paint that picture so that that person can see it and, and you know, try to make sure that we're on the same path. So I don't, yeah, I, sorry, I don't know if I got distracted from the original question, but. I would say just off of that, I want to add that, you know, if you are going to have those conversations, don't even bring up money because for the most part, that's not even an issue. It's only a necessity. So um, we have a different view of, of value or intrinsic experience and in, in, in all of that. Uh, just a little, wanted to add that in there. Okay. It's not about the money. I saw, I saw Bill, I saw you chomping at the bit a little bit there. Um, do you have something to add here? I, I wanted to, to follow your question with a question perhaps for, for Kent. And is it, is it because millennials have never, in general, I know that there are different uh, socioeconomics out there in the Facebook world watching right now, but, but for the most part, we have provided our millennial children with whatever they wanted, and, and ha they never had to wonder what was for dinner, if there was going to be dinner, um, if they had to go out and help provide for the family as a teenager, uh, you know, is it, is it this, is, is that part of it? Does that, I, that question make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it does. Um, so you look at, uh, back in the seventies, eighties, nineties, right. There was this emphasis on, on getting that 40 hour work week, having that stable, um, thing. And there were some things that went by the wayside kind of compromises you made, um, in, in things that, millennials now view as more important, like personal time. So if you talk about work-life balance, back then there was no work-life balance. It was like you work and then you go home. There was no balance. And then that started to kick up in the 90s, this whole idea of work-life balance. And I would say that millennials are now viewing it as work-life integration. We have things that we value that are more important than work. But if we can align those two things, then it's going to be more effective. Um, I don't know if I answered the question yeah, yeah, that's that's the the answer I was looking for. It was really interesting yesterday. I had a I have an employee who's uh, fifty, and he has a son who is seventeen, and uh, his son didn't get paid overtime uh, for working having worked overtime last week, and so his dad and I are having a conversation about it, and and uh, he asked his son, "Do you like your job?" And his son said, yeah. And he says, do you want to stay there? And he says, yeah. And so his dad said, well, then just work eight hours and, and clock out and when it's time to go home. And I said, I said, you don't think he should go back and, and ask for the overtime? And uh, he said, well, he's, he's never going to get it. If he wants to stay there, he just needs to, to, to uh, make sure that the owner knows that he, that he has these expectations of working eight hours and, and going home. <laughs> And I just, I thought it was really interesting. Like to me, I'm, I guess I'm always looking for, for that, for what's right, you know? And, and so I have this righteous indignation. Like I want to go over and talk to the guy for him uh, and, and make it right. But I, I thought it was, it was such a, uh, it was such a non, um, oh, this is owed to me lesson that he was teaching his son. I thought it was, I just find it interesting. I don't know if that's a conversation starter for you, Kent. There, there are some societal intricacies as far as like, so you, you talk to your boss, you would use Mr. Or um, if you're talking to a doctor, you'd say doctor for, and I would say it's more uh, like millennials are, are more relationship oriented. So they're not familiar with the nuances of an office or of a job manager or a, a boss employee relationship. And a lot of those times, um, those things are kind of weird, but I do know that millennials have, have kind of got this experiential secondhand, secondhand experience in watching their parents and, and go through some of these things 
uh, and would see more or less, well, that seems unfair. I don't want to do that, right? I saw my dad work 40, 50 hours a week growing up, and he didn't have time to do things that he really enjoyed. I don't want that, right? How is there, how can we do that differently? And I think that's part of the, the challenge there. They, he, so it seems like he's really invested in that job. And again, the, the money isn't necessarily something that's bothering him. Um, but it's interesting <clears throat> that, that his dad said, well, don't do that. Don't try to do anything that might, because I know that that might lose your job if you go in and ask for that. I, I, I'm, I'm bristling um, uh, for a couple of reasons at uh, your comments, Bill, not your comments, but the, 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 genre, the genre of it. Um, you know, my dad told me some things that uh, really made sense uh, as a kid. One of those things was go to work early, stay late, do things other people aren't willing to do, and you'll, you'll be appreciated, you'll have a job, and, and people will, you know, you'll, you'll get raises and you'll move up in the company. Now, that's something I've used my entire life, and that's always work for me. Um, we have business owners that complain that they have people at five o'clock, whether the job's done or not, clock out and go home because it's five o'clock. My day is done. Um, now, I don't know if that's millennials or older guys or, or, or whatever, but there's that complaint that we hear. You know, first of all, uh, uh, should I, if I'm really invested in my job and it takes an extra, you know, half an hour, should I stay and get that done? My advice is a, as an owner, and as a manager and as a coach is, yeah, you know, if you can, if that doesn't take away from something you already have planned, absolutely you should. And, <clears throat> but, but I think as a business owner, I have to appreciate that they've done that. And legally I have to pay them for that. Um, and if the, if somebody worked for me and I, I forgot to pay them overtime and they came to me and they said, Hey, Cecil, uh, Hey, I did work a couple hours last week, uh, overtime, you know, and you didn't write me the check. I go, Oh my gosh, I'm really sorry. You know, let me write the check. Um, uh, uh, and then I also would appreciate the fact that they spent extra time because they're invested in, in their job. Um, how do, you know, I think that advice from dad to son was terrible advice. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, uh, holy smokes, how could you not go have a conversation with your boss? Uh, that's, that's the other thing. You know, we should be talking to our bosses. Uh, we should be saying, hey, you know, I, I did work overtime, and you and you missed the you missed the check. It's and, and not thinking he's trying to take two hours of my life away without rewarding me for it, um, which I think my father would have thought, right? Uh, it's expected. It's expected that I work three hours extra overtime and not get paid for it. Well, that's different today than it was when I grew up. Today, when they work, they get paid. Um, uh, 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 BJ, um, uh, we're, we're, let's make a little shift here because. Uh, one of the questions I think that Kent really wants to get on the table is um, how do we uh, um, critique, uh, give, our, give our people, um, uh, critique them, give them positive uh, uh, feedback or negative uh, uh, feedback uh, uh, without losing trust with them or, or without alienating uh, them? I think a lot of shop owners, they're almost afraid to say anything to their, uh, their millennials or, or even, frankly, they're older guys uh, because they're afraid they won't like them. I think, I think uh, uh, Ryan had, had hit the nail on the head when he was just talking a little while ago. Um, I think first and foremost, when you bring them in and you even go through the hiring process and you're talking with people, and you make sure that, that both of you, your company and them, you align with their goals and their purpose within the company and our company goals and so forth and what are their goals, right? And so, so we lay out the groundwork for them at the you decide to come to work with us for a company uh, with certain goals and benchmarks in mind and so forth, right? And we have that transparency along the way. Uh, so if they're not meeting their goals or benchmarks uh, or if they're doing well, they're being rewarded, uh, however we uh, see fit for that. Um, but I think the transparency, um, I think as long as we are straight up upfront with them uh, as to what's expected and, and it aligns with their purpose, as well. I don't think there's going to be a problem with that at all whatsoever. Um, I think it's easy to sit down and talk with people as long as we've already had the open communication to begin with, right? So we are, we're already expecting that. We're already saying that um, throughout your career here in the company, we will have um, you know, every so often, whatever that time frame is, we're going to have reviews. We're going to talk about your, your goals and where you're at. And, and if you're not getting there, how can we help you get there? 
Um, you know, so if, as, long, as long as it's laid out and it's transparent along the way and they have a good sense of purpose and they're getting what they want and we're getting what we want, I think uh, it, it's pretty, pretty easy to make happen. So, I'm, Ryan, I'll get right to you, but I'm not seeing anything different, frankly, between millennials and my generation in this. In this. Um, I would teach every shop owner to do that, have meetings with your people. I mean, the real job of a coach is to help your, your person you're coaching do their job better, uh, whether it's hit a baseball or uh, shoot a basket or uh, – or uh, take care of a client. But do you um, think? But do you think for us, for us, the older people, do you think we really cared if we have a, had a sense of purpose when we were growing up doing this? Uh, all we cared no, about no. mostly was about the check and the money. I, I, I think. I think in the beginning it was go to work. That's what's expected. Get a job. That's what's expected, and you'll get paid. Okay. Right. Um, and, and and obviously we didn't have the information, nor did our parents actually uh, helicopter us. Uh, uh, you know, if I got in uh, uh, a problem at school and the principal whipped me, when I got home, I got whipped again uh, because the principal shouldn't have had to whip me. My parents weren't uh, <laughs> incensed that somebody laid hands on me. They didn't go down and fight with the principal about why did you spank my child. Um, and, uh, and there was only one trophy handed out for the winner uh, uh, when I grew up, all right? Um, oh, and so the millennials have grown up different. Uh, um, they, they've grown up a lot different than we grew up. But I think that in general, aligning your goals with your staff, meeting with your staff, helping your staff uh, do their job better and succeed and win uh, uh, is good whether you're dealing with millennials or someone that's in their 50s. It, it doesn't matter. Well, I think it, it, it but works I, for both. But I do think it is a little bit different. It's like uh, you and I can talk about, about my goals and what the future is with us for the company and stuff. And we don't need to talk for six months about it. No. Right. And you don't need to tell me and you don't need to call and say, hey, this client's really happy. You've done a great job. I don't need that pat on the back. Right. And I don't I don't you know, we can talk less frequent. Right. Because right. we understand each other. We, we have the same, I think, the same wavelength. We understand each other because we're the same age, basically. Right. So I think having more uh, conversation and more um, I don't know if I don't if I'm saying this right, or not, not even a pat on the back, but more of a more feedback. Uh, more feedback. They, they, I right. think they require a little more feedback, a little more sense of purpose than we did. Now, now Ryan, I know that um, I said I'd get right to you, and then all of a sudden we kind of went um, a little further. What, what, <laughs> what was your, where were you at there? What did, what did you want to say? Well, with the question, you know, how do we criticize or how do we, you know, let them know there's an issue? This question comes up so often in coaching. You know that. And I think one of my favorite answers is it's more a proactive approach as opposed to a reactive approach. Now, you may need to dig yourself out of a hole. A great question that I get all the time is, you know, how do I get my guys to clean? And I think you know, the answer is just not a direct answer. You create an environment where what you want to happen is more likely to happen, and that's more of a process. Uh, for example, I mean, on, on day one, you get a, a really good opportunity to set your expectations for what so that you reduce the chance of having to you know, criticize. And, you know, sometimes you got to re redraw out the landscape or, you know, reviews are an opportunity, regular communication, you know, to do that. Um, you know, a, a personal communication, I think, um, I think of like Dale Carnegie's how to win friends and influence people become a person that they like, you know, yeah. remember their name, you know, and, and the little pats on the back. I mean, that, that's not necessarily a millennial thing. That's been around for a long time, that advice. So I think, yeah, if you become a person that they like, you become a place that they want to work at, you're going to have less issues. And I, I think, I feel like the engagement or the empowerment, I think of an example like McDonald's. McDonald's says, you know, we've got a process. We do it this way. There is absolutely zero room for creative control. You're not going to get someone at McDonald's say, have them make a burger this way. So we have supervisors. The supervisor is there to basically stand over you and make sure you do it exactly that way. Uh, again, kind of touching on the, the tech boom and all these, you know, creative technology companies, if you can create this environment where people are empowered and they have, is there a hierarchy? Yes. But if it feels more like a team environment, people have a little creative control, I think you're just going to have a whole lot easier time getting some of that compliance that you need. And when there's an issue come up, it's not going to be a big deal. And I do think that that's a, again, I'm, I'm 40, so, but I think that's a little different from my understanding of 20 and 30 years ago where it was more, hey, man, you come in, you do a job, this is how it is. I'm going to pull you in the back room, and I'm going to set you straight if I need to. Uh, and I'm not saying that doesn't 
still happen, but uh, I'm basically um, avoidance. It would be a great way to, to try to not have that happen. So from the coaching aspect, um, you know, uh, CEO of the company aspect, you're talking about culture, creating a, a culture of cleanliness yep. in my business, uh, creating a culture of progress, uh, a culture of communication, uh, a culture of uh, um, uh, maybe not instant feedback, but constant feedback, and even a culture of being very proactive, which, you know, we, we, we talk about meetings and having meetings with our staff on a regular basis. And I cannot tell you how many times I've talked about that in classes and with clients and still many of them don't do it. Uh, and then they wonder why the, 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 the millennial isn't staying around their business um, because you're not giving them the feedback because they're not involved in the process because they're not a part of the solution. Um, you're telling them that they're going to make a hamburger this way and that's it. And that's all there is. And uh, frankly, uh, one of the things I've loved about my career as an automotive guy is every day seems to be a different challenge and it's not the same hamburger every single day. Um, so I think you're, I think you're talking about culture. So how do I create a culture in my business bill that millennials will, um, thrive in? Okay. I'll keep like? I'll keep it to less than two minutes. I swear. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I'm, I'm lying. Um, yeah. uh, people will pay attention to what we pay attention to. And uh, an example of this, the other day I had a, a staff member come in from vacation. He'd been gone for a week and he, uh, and he came in uh, 10 minutes late and with his flip-flops on and, and he walked into the garage and I said, I said, hey, flip-flops on the ground at, uh, at 8 o'clock, right? And, and he, got, he got a little bent out of shape. His boots weren't where he <laughs> left them and blah, 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 blah. So I, I, came back, I circled back with him and I said, I said, hey, this isn't a pattern failure with you. It is a little funny when you're gone for a week that you would be late your first day back which isn't that funny. It happens all the time. But, uh, but I said, I said, I just want you to know I'm paying attention. And I just, I just left it silent at that point. And he looked at me and he said, thanks. That means a lot to me. I appreciate you coming back. And, and I know you pay attention. So it's, it's the things that you pay attention to. And, and, and that's how you create culture. You, you create culture. You, you, you create, you create short-term buy-in, uh, with correcting people. Yeah. And, 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 you know, you go around, you find what they're doing wrong. And, and it's just like, I always come back to training dogs. You know, if you, if you spank a dog for doing something wrong, you'd, you'd better be right on whatever they were doing wrong. Um, because otherwise they have to guess what you want them to do. Right. They, they don't, they don't know. Instant and feedback. Employees are the same way. If you can find a way to say, you know, even if the floor isn't perfectly clean in their, in their stall, but they cleaned it. Hey, Kent, I really like the, the way you're paying. Is there anything you need to, 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 to make this easier or better? You know, because we, you know, obviously we're both looking at it and it's not perfectly clean, but he did clean it. Um, whatever it is, people pay attention to what you pay attention to. Hey, Cecil, I really appreciate the way that you're always the first one here. You know, uh, something that you said earlier, Cecil, about staying the extra half hour. Um, it's, it's something, you know, the, the, the converse of that is, is milking the clock and, and working overtime and not really doing anything. But, boy, I get time and a half. I think the conversation to have there that I was playing through my head at that point was, hey, guys, I want you to know that if there's, if there's a job that you really feel compelled to finish, it's going to take you an extra half hour. I want you to do that if, if, that, if, if, it means, if it means that much to the company and to you. But if not, I really want you to pay attention and, and clock out at 5 o'clock. Be done. I, I don't want to pay the overtime. And honestly, I want you guys to be fresh the next day and not feeling like you were here late every day just because there was little things to do. Because there aren't little things to do. You just need to clock out and go home. I think, I think millennials are very focused on or have, have I guess, a, a better or more focused look on uh, time itself. Like we, so when you guys talk about overtime and you had just said we don't, you know, don't milk the clock and get that overtime and that's, you know, uh, millennials aren't necessarily driven by getting the time. They wanna, we want to make sure that our time is spent efficiently and effectively because we kind of have a better um, – we're more focused on how much value is in our time itself, right? 
Um, well, what we've what we've done at the institute is create projects and goals around those projects, and time is not. Um, it's not like eight to five. Uh, um, you know, if you come in at nine and you work till three and you get your work done and, and uh, then you're going to get paid for the day. It, it, it's not, um, I think for the millennials, and that's mainly what I'm working with here, uh, for them getting the project done. And, and I also know that every one of my staff has done work at their home, uh, on their home computers or whatever, uh, and hours of it, uh, and haven't come in and said, hey, you need to pay me for this. Um, I think it's different with the, with the, that generation. They need to be involved, invested, and I think they need to be appreciated even more so. I mean, for me, I can remember my dad. It's like, uh, well, they get their paycheck, don't they? Right? You know, when you're saying, hey, we need to go out and we need to do something for our employees, uh, you know, uh, uh, have a party, do something. And dad's like, well, they get their paycheck. That's their reward. No, I don't think so. I think it has to be more than that for our uh our millennials and actually for our companies today because uh, of the generational changes. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I want to, I want to jump in for a minute uh, and, uh, and, and probably even throw an unapologetic pitch for the Institute in here. Um, One thing that, that you guys know about me that is very important is, is once a year I shut down the shop uh, for, for a day or two to bring a, to bring a person in to speak and to work with our team, um, both for team building and educational purposes. Um, this year, I brought Cecil Bullard in, and it was it was really amazing. It was it was it was amazing. And the uh, the takeaway that just came back to me last week was one of my millennials said, "I need to meet with you for lunch. I'm really frustrated. I need to meet with you." And I sat down with him, and he said. He said, we need to get back to the chain of command that Cecil talked about with us. He set it up for us, and, and we're, we're, we're not following what we had talked about, and blah, blah, blah. And he finished with, I want to write standard operating procedures for the new shop. We had them for the old shop. We need them for the new shop. And I was, I was amazed and impressed that as a millennial, everything that he talked about was structure. So you were talking about culture earlier. Cecil and, and, and Kent was talking about um, the things that are important to them. It was all that whole conversation and the success that we had from the training with you all came back to him, structure. But I, but I think structure is super important for any employee. Again, I wouldn't just point to the millennials. When you know what's right and what's wrong, when you know what you're supposed to be doing, you know if you're doing what you're do- what, the right thing. Ambiguity uh, is like kryptonite. Yeah, uh, I, I think period. But and, and unfortunately, in so many small businesses, I don't think automotive's got the corner on it. There's so much ambiguity about your success, and your success is only judged by the attitude of the owner today because you don't have the process. You don't have the thing in place, the measurement. Um, and the owners have such varying – and we have so many people that are ADHD, uh, uh, bipolar, um, uh, manic-depressive – so three days, they're they're like, wow, everything's great, and then all of a sudden, you know, oh, the, the world's at an end, everything's crappy, and nothing's really changed, right? I mean, in reality, at the, in the business, not much has changed. Um, so I think it's really important to have that structure, period, uh, uh, in your business, uh, and let your employees know that this is okay and this is not okay. Uh, I think it's kind so of that many people think thing. that that uh, that uh, that the millennials didn't want structure. That's why I brought that up. And, and, you know, the people watching this, you know, they, uh, they want structure. They do actually do. Everybody wants to know what's okay. Really, really what it is, is the, is, is clarity of what is expected and what is going to happen. Um, Do you think almost in the way that we convey that information to them too, as well, how it's conveyed? Yes. Yes. I mean, mean, for me, it was, was like, hey, hey, do that. You know, it was like, okay, great, you got to do that, right? Well, now it's like, hey, no, here, here's why we want to do that. And we, you know, we we sprinkle the fairy dust, I the, guess, so to speak. The amount know? of the amount of steps in training a millennial, uh, as far as the the last thing that I saw about that, is like three times more than in than previous generations. You have to reiterate, you have to reclarify, you have to make it incredibly clear to them what's expected, what we are doing, and what the structure is. Even if it's not an eight to five, there's some expectations behind how you do your work and, and what is expected. And if it's clear, 
then you're not going to have those same issues. But structure is is important. I have like I have like 15 more things that I want to talk about. And I know we're out of time. We are completely out of time. I, I don't when I when we do these things, I am just absolutely flabbergasted at how quickly an hour goes by. Um, so we're gonna uh, we're gonna do last thoughts, um, and we'll start with uh, we'll start with BJ. BJ, what last thoughts on this? I would just say that when we're working. Working with our millennials, uh, a few things to think about, uh, and we talked about most of it here, was, you know, we need to be flexible. Um, we need to give them a sense of purpose, right? Um, work with them and work with us together as a team to, so we have the same ideas and principles and goals that we're looking forward to, you know, that we're a, a complete match, right? Um, you know, give them the continuous training that they're asking for, right? Give it to them in bite-sized pieces. It seems that they take... Uh, and like information in smaller pieces rather than big pieces. Um, I think if you, I, I, I you know, think and you, give them, so get, give them a, re a reason to stay, right? I think if you get them invested in something that they're going to enjoy, like a field that they can be successful at, nothing is going to stand in their way. So, all right, uh, all right Ryan, uh, last thoughts. I think uh, just trying to understand more where millennials are coming from. I mean, if you find yourself one of those people that is thinking a lot about all the stereotypes about millennials, I don't think it's doing yourself any favors. Uh, just like a good service advisor would, uh, you know, look at their customers and draw out objections. I think, you know, this is the future. What like it or not, you know, I mean, this is this is where we're headed. This generation and the next generations after that. So. Um, yeah, I just think you know, making a sincere effort to try to understand what's important to them. It's kind of a necessity. And if you sit there and you fight it and you're going to be one of those people that yada yada this, I mean, you know, the first question, what bothers you about millennials? That just, you know, there, and there are people out there that have those feelings. And I think, I don't know, you got to work on, on work on either setting those aside. If you have a prejudice, you know, it's not going to serve you well. So I, I didn't write that question. My millennial wrote that. So just so you're aware, I, I did. Yeah. Not <laughs> uh, because I think that the millennials are looking at us and going, wow, so many things we do bother you. Um, and I think that a lot of the media is really generalizing and saying millennials are this and millennials are that. Um, I think there are some tendencies, but you know we, we have to teach take each person. One of the one of the key points I think that has been brought out uh, today is that is that structure. Uh, are we structured well? Do we have good communication processes? Uh, do we have good feedback processes in our company? Um, I think that's so uh, essential. Kent, last words. Um, I would say that we're not broken, we're not wrong, and, and you should look at it like that. We're just different, right? We're not going to do things the way that you guys did things, and common sense isn't necessarily a thing that translates between generations. Your common sense is going to be different than our common sense. Um, and approaching, at, uh, approaching the management styles and the, working, and the work ethic, work, work ethic is completely different too. Um, suspend your, your, your bias and your expectations of those things and really just open up a dialogue so you can understand exactly what our perception is of these things and you can move from there. Um, but don't villainize us. Uh, we, we often feel like we are, are broken or wrong or bad because we don't do things with the same expectations that our, our, our predecessors had uh, in their jobs. Uh, we, we've come to the table with a different set of expectations. It's, it's interesting, you know, uh, as an old guy in the room, uh, BJ's older than me, by the way, just want to make that real clear. Um, <laughs> the, 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 I just look worse. Um, and, uh, <laughs> we're trying really hard. And I, and, and I have to say that I really, I like working with my millennials. It, 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 it energizes me. Um, um, I see their love and their joy of what they do. Um, and we're, we're like way out of time. So Bill, last words. I, I, I love what everybody's had to say. I think what's stuck with me the most is what Kent said, and I believe it to be true, that if you can motivate a millennial, you will have the hardest working person you've ever met. Harder than a Generation X, harder than a baby boomer. And I think that that's significant because we need to let them know that there is gratification. It's not instant in the workplace. It is a long and arduous road, and it's a journey. But at the end, there you will find success and you will find the gratification and you have that ability to work hard. So go for it. I think there's another little piece to it, and, and I'll end with this. I think that 
uh, smarter is not necessarily harder. And I think that a lot of us older people, especially in business, we tried that, uh, you know, 25 years ago, I tried that. And, and a millennial comes in and says, hey, you know, let's, let's try this. And, and we shut it down so quickly because it's not what we're used to. It's not what we do. And uh, I think we have to be smarter about picking and choosing some of those things and giving them a try because the millennials are smart. Um, they we're, do come in with uh, great information. Go ahead, Kent, quickly. We, we really want to expedite the process. Right. And, uh, and then we have to teach them a little bit of patience because sometimes the process is not expeditable. Um, uh, thank you all uh, so much. A quick shout out to Eric Svedberg. Uh, broke the $200,000 mark, had the best month by about 30% he's ever had in his wow. life uh, uh, out of Virginia. Great job, Eric. Um, and uh, and uh, again, thank you so much for uh, uh, the leading edge and for uh, you guys participating and, and for the people out there that are going to listen to this. Ken, what's our, what, what are we doing next time in, uh, in two weeks? Next time, we're going to focus on more sales-driven techniques and tactics on how to close, how to manage sales, how to get, how to get the sale as, you know, as and we have some possible and we have some great questions already uh, from people you can go to our website or you can even on Facebook uh, send us some questions uh, because we want to really help you with sales and by the way you got some people in the room here are who are unbelievable uh, uh, salespeople and know how to close the deal so thank you so much for listening and have a wonderful uh, week bye y'all Join us next time on The Leading Edge as we cover advanced sales techniques to help you be successful behind the counter. As always, The Leading Edge is every first and third Thursday of every month at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Join the Institute Group on Facebook and get advice from other top shop owners as well as our experienced consultants. Persevere and prevail next time on The Institute's Leading Edge.